You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Uh, Hey, would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4? That's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 13, as we continue this sermon series titled The Fivefold Ministry Gifts. Fivefold Ministry Gifts. We call them gifts because that's what Jesus calls them. That's what the scripture says, that they are gifts necessary for building the church. And I also want to throw this out there that I get asked the question, you know, the question a lot how, how do you come up with your sermon material? Well, first and foremost is the Word of God. I read scripture, and the Holy Spirit just tends to lead me and guide me and so on and so forth. But in addition to that, there's a variety of ways. There's books that I'm reading. There's mentors in my life who are investing into me spiritually. I'm checking and seeing different sermon topics that we preach. I often check and see what other churches, mainstream churches are preaching and how they're wording things and what they're saying and so on and so forth. Just a complete study. But one of the, like I said, one of the ways is different mentors in my life have actually written books. And one of the mentors uh, in my life is, uh, her name's Caroline Tennant. She's a professor at one of our uh, denomination seminaries who teaches students. students and so on and so forth in in ministry. And she titled this book, Catch the Wind of the Spirit, the Fivefold Ministry Gifts That Will Change Your Church. And I want to challenge you, if you want an in-depth study, even longer than the past couple weeks that we've been going with this series, I want to challenge you, pick up the book. Obviously, we don't profit from this, so please don't think like, for $5.99 a day. Your miracle will be yours. Um, anyways, but I want to challenge you. It's a great book if you're looking for a study to dive into that um, specifically is, one, biblical, and two, talks in a greater length about these fivefold ministry gifts. Are you ready for the Word of God this morning, church? Yes. Are you ready for the Word of God this morning, church? Amen, amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 13. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. There's the gifts, the reference to gifts. When he ascended, me, it Excuse me, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Verse 11 continues uh, describing those gifts that he gave gifts, now picking up at verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. For what purpose? To equip his people for the works of service. Everybody say that word, service. Ready? One, two, three. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity and faith and in the whole knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we stand on your word that is alive and active. Lord, we don't stand on a dead word. We don't stand on a word that has promises of ifs and maybes, but if you said it, it will come to pass. And so, Lord, we thank you for the word that you've given us this morning, and I just pray that it would take root in our hearts, that it wouldn't be something that we just hear and go on living the same, but it would be something that we apply and live differently because your Holy Spirit has enabled us to do so. So, Lord, we trust in you. We give ourselves to you throughout these next couple moments, believing that what happens here on Sunday will deeply impact what happens on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on and so forth. We ask this in Jesus' precious and holy name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. 
The fivefold ministry gifts given to the church, the fivefold ministry gifts are as follows apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We're going through these gifts in a different order than what we would read them in scripture, just specifically because I feel like some gifts we need to talk about as a church because they're starting to happen. They're starting to be used here through the church. And I want to be clear that the purpose of these gifts isn't to build ourselves up, it's not so that we look holier than thou. Have you ever met somebody like that? Don't point to your neighbor, that's rude. And so it's not so that we build up ourselves, but it's for the sake of, of what? The church being built up, us being equipped for service. There are some here today, I believe, that you are called. You are called to be one of these gifts, that you are this gift to the church. You might not see yourself as an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, but God is starting to equip you for that ministry. And so a part of the reason why we're going through this series is to help us identify as a church some of the gifts that, is, that are sitting right here in the church today. And maybe you come from a background where you're like, Pastor, I can never be used by that. Don't shut the door on God before he has an opportunity to walk through it. Can I hear an amen this morning? Y'all better wake up, I'm telling you. First service cannot beat you, okay? And so I believe wholeheartedly that there are some here today where, again, you've never seen yourself in this light. You've never seen yourself being used in this manner, but here we are, and God wants you to be used in this manner, and therefore you are the gift, You're the gift that God is giving the church and that he wants to use you. He wants to work in you and through you. And today, it's just a matter of identifying that in your life, or better yet, allowing the Holy Spirit to identify that in your life. The gift that we're focusing on today out of the five gifts given to the church is the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. Amen, brother. We're focusing on the gift today for a few different reasons. In recent years, specifically during an election year, there are self-proclaimed prophets that come out of the woodwork. And I, as a pastor, dread it. Can I be candid this morning? I know it's not like me, but bear with me. But during an election year, I dread it as a pastor because of all the spiritual turmoil that is going to be caused by some prophets that are not actually prophets, they're false prophets. And these are prophets that typically preach prosperity, but that's a a sermon for another day. But these are prophets that go unchecked. And the church at large, a lot of of, uh, Christians will cling on to these prophetic words and they will hold them to a higher standard than we do scripture, which is not biblical. Prophecy always comes under the authority of Scripture. It is not over Scripture. And in a couple years, as you know, there's going to be another election year. And I want to make sure that we as a church are equipped to to be able to decipher through true prophecy and false prophecy. And I also want to say this, that in recent years, there was a lot of prophecy that was predicated as if it was kind of like this. Unless this person gets elected as president, God's will will not come to pass. And that is false. God's will is so much bigger than the presidency. Can I hear a good amen this morning, church? And so I want to give us some clarity today so that someday, whenever we hear prophetic voices, that we read and we say, that's not prophetic, that's pathetic. And that we're able to see the differences between those two things. And we're discussing this today because also I believe that God wants to give this gift to the church. Can I hear a good amen? 
that this is a gift that's just kind of sitting quietly in the church, and it is a biblical gift. We, ha- we have this understanding of it being misused, and I understand that, but how many of you know that this gift is a biblical gift? Just because there have been those who may have messed it up or abused it does not mean that we should throw it out the window. Come on, somebody. This is a gift given to the church, still necessary for today. And that is the point of what I'm saying this morning. The gift of prophecy is needed today. Prophecy, well, pastor, what does it do? Prophecy prepares our hearts for what God wants to communicate to us. Have you ever noticed that typically, just like today, Jack felt a word on his heart? He came up and he gave this word before the sermon was preached. Even though it goes perfectly in line with what worship was speaking, and it goes perfectly in line with the sermon today, because I believe that we need to make room in our theology and doctrine for the gifts of the Spirit. And so he talks about this gift, and we recognize, hey, that was awesome, but have you ever thought about the fact that this gift was used before the sermon was spoken? Here's what I'm getting at, is often the gift of prophecy prepares our hearts for God's Word. It postures us. We have an expectation now. God is speaking, and therefore, we posture ourselves that he will continue to do what? Speak and equip. So it helps us kind of, again, posture ourselves on a Sunday morning. This This gift of prophecy also leads us in the will of God. The prophetic gift works to lead the church spotless, pure, and in a holy state so that it can be of maximum service Maximum service to the king and the work of expanding his kingdom. Can I hear a good amen? Prophecy is often guidance in what we should do. Sometimes we fall into this tendency of thinking of Christianity in terms of what? What we should not do. But here this gift is calling us to action in regards to what we should do. Prophecy gives us that guidance. Prophecy reveals to us the things of God. Prophecy gives us direction, confirmation, or correction all of these things giving guidance. An example is Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah told us what to look for in the Messiah and his ministry. John the Baptist was called to prophetically make straight the way of the Lord. So what does prophecy look like? And I just want to throw this out here. I understand that for second service, our nursery workers, it's typically open for parents. But parents, if your child makes a little bit of noise, we're okay with that. Come on, church. It's okay. Relax. I just want to put any emotions at ease that we're a church that believes that those are the sounds that identify that we are a growing church and that there's another generation coming up. We're proud of that. What does prophecy look like? A prophetic word can be delivered in a church service after or before. It could be given through a note. It could be given during the week. And I love this, that last week in first service, we had a a girl named Kendall. She said, Pastor, the Lord gave me this, this word over a week ago, and I feel that he's released me to give it now. I love that because just because we receive a word doesn't mean we have to give it right away. And we pressure ourselves. I have this word, what do I do with it? (laughs) And it's kind of like hot potato. You're like, I got, I got this word, get it out. And sometimes God just says, I've given you this word. Now wait. And the timing of the word that was given whenever, even though it was quote unquote a week old, you know that God's word never has an expiration date on it. So that baby can sit on the shelf and sit there and sit there and then he'll say, take it off. And it's just as fresh. 
Prophetic word can be in teaching through a sermon. It can be a a picture that explains a situation just like Jesus did with his parables. This and other metaphors are often forms of prophecy. God uses dreams and visions of what is yet to come, just like he did with Joseph. Or it can be a vision that helps us understand what is happening, similar to in Scripture whenever Peter has a vision before meeting Cornelius. All of these are proper methods of prophecy so long as they are the correct place and time that God chooses. I want to say that again. All of these forms of prophecy are correct methods as long as it is the correct place and time that God chooses. With prophetic words, it often causes faith to arise, boldness, there's clarity, there's direction. How many of you were encouraged this morning by the word that Jack gave? Be verbal. You don't have to raise your hands. How many of you were encouraged? Amen? Amen. And so that's the result, that's the fruit of prophecies that it builds, it equips, it encourages us. Think of it like this, don't you want God to confirm things in your life? Don't you want Him to confirm things in such a blatant way that you are like, this is undeniably God. Like things could have never been organized by man, stated by man in such a beautiful manner that it would have added up to this. Don't you want those confirmations that, let's say you go through a job change, don't you want a confirmation knowing that where you're packing up your life from and moving to that God says, I have ordained this. Even down to where our kids go to school, I know that there's many parents right now that are, you're making a decision. How many of you know that in those moments we want confirmation? How many of you know that in our marriages, with the decisions that we make with our spouses, we want to make sure that all of the decisions that we're making as a family, that God has ordained them to be so. And the beautiful thing about this gift of prophecy is that it does that, is that this gift does confirm, this gift does encourage. You know, this has happened in my life a few different times where a prophetic word has been given to me. And again, it, it was so on point that I could only say, this is God. Yeah, whenever I was in college, going through seminary, you know, it was, it was a very spiritually dry season for me, which I did not understand because, please understand, like, I'm at a Christian campus where we have chapel services, church services, every morning to start out our day. Every class is prefaced with a word of prayer. Every leader that's on this campus is spiritually mature. The classes that I'm taking are biblical theology. I'm studying scripture. And yet I could not sense God in my life. And what I learned in this season is this, is that our faith is not dependent on feelings. And I learned how to follow God purely out of obedience, even when we don't feel something. And so I remember going through this season, and I'm asking God why, and I also learned this, that I, as a pastor, have to figure out how to get spiritually fed in addition to preparing for sermons. And I remember learning this throughout my college years, and I'm going through this this spiritually dry season, and there was a professor at the time who was so in love with Jesus, I got, can I be real this morning? She was so in love with Jesus that I questioned the legitimacy of it. Have you ever met somebody like that? Like, they're so spiritual, like, this is awesome, and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, you're eccentric. (laughs) And I don't know if eccentric means authentic in this. And I remember this lady, like, she was just, she, man, she was just so much that I'm like, I don't know if this is real. Just never met somebody quite like this. And so I'm standing in a chapel service one day, and 
she's over to my right out of my peripheral vision, and I'm sitting there in chapel going through this spiritually dry season, and I remember saying, God, trying to discern if this mentor in my life, if I should be receiving her teachings, because I don't know if she's real. Lord, would you reveal to me if she's the real deal or if I need to reject this? Less than a minute later, she comes over to me and gives a prophetic word that was on point. And God confirms in this moment, and she says something I had not told anyone, not even my best friend who was here in first service. At the time, I had not told anybody that I was going through this season. And she comes up and she starts out her prophetic word by saying, I know you're going through a spiritually dry season. The audacity. (laughs) You don't know me. And she just began to speak life. Said, Donnie, keep following him even when you don't feel him. Keep following him even when his ways don't make sense. Keep seeking him. You will find him. But God's growing you in this season. And she began to prophesy over the ministry that God called me to and my life's calling. And he confirmed that in that moment. There was another time where years ago I was over on a missions trip in Ireland. One of the things that I love about Ireland is they are very open. The church, the Pentecostal church in Ireland, is very open to the gifts of the Spirit as a result of St. Patrick's ministry there. Incredible legacy by St. Patrick. And so this church is now hunger, hungry for the gifts of the Spirit. And I remember this pastor comes over and he begins to prophesy. And by the way, um, pro- prophetic words are always more anointed whenever there's an Irish dialect coming with it. I'm just saying. Pastor, is that scriptural? No, but I'm just saying. And so I remember him coming over and going, Pastor Don, that's me. And I remember he had no idea that I had just resigned as youth pastor and that I had just accepted the position in a place called Foglesville, Pennsylvania. And he begins to prophesy over my life, and he says, as you go through this season of transition, and he begins to talk about the mantle shift where I was a youth pastor for six years, and God called me out of that to lead pastor. He begins to talk about this shift in ministry, and then what's really cool as he begins to prophesy revival over Crossroads Community Church. And he begins to prophesy and say, like, these, this is what's going to happen. And he, he begins to discuss how you're going to go through a season of confusion, but you'll grow during it. He had no idea that COVID would take place a few years after that. In church, he went on, and the prophetic word that he gave was rooted in Scripture Align with where I was in life, and through time, a majority of what he has said thus far has come to pass. When our church goes from 80 to 260 to a grand total of, we have over 380 active profiles in our system, that's called revival. When Come on, give God some praise. When people are coming to know Jesus, more importantly, most importantly, on an almost weekly basis, the point is, is that the gift of prophecy is needed for today, and it is a very real gift. And when used correctly, when used biblically, it most certainly brings comfort, confirmation, clarity, and a foundation for the church. Can I hear an amen?
But, everybody say but. When we shut the Holy Spirit out, when we shut the gifts of the Spirit out of our services, we lose all of this. And rather than having confirmation and clarity, we have confusion and brokenness. And it kind of is like this. It's like walking in your house in the middle of the night when you have no light and you're just kind of feeling around. Whenever people aren't receiving confirmation through the Holy Spirit because we've shut him out, we then start, rather than saying, I'll wait on this gift and I'll check it out, we start looking for other voices that just have to sound spiritual. And so then you have a church that is walking blind in the night during spiritual battle, and they are taking whatever voices sound spiritual and thus enters in the problem that we experience today as the church at large, and that's churches following man rather than following Jesus. Because just because it sounds good, I'm going to cling to that. When we shut the gift of the Holy Spirit out of our church, you and I are left without power. In this book, Pastor Caroline says it like this, if we leave a void among true prophetic servants, Satan will step into the void and fill it with false ones. And it is for these reasons that I just discussed that bring me to say this, prophecy should not be despised. Somebody give me an amen. Amen. Prophecy should not be kept out of the church. Who do we think we are to think that we could shut his voice out of his own church? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 through 22 says this, Do not quench the Spirit. Amen. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But what should we do then? Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. What is good? That in which is that, is that is biblical. Hold on to that that is good and abstain from every evil. To despise something means that we reject it, that we treat it as if it has no value, that we don't even acknowledge in some circumstances its existence. And here we, we're told do not despise prophecy. And what happens when we despise prophecy? The former statement mentioned, we quench the Holy Spirit, we grieve the Holy Spirit, we commit the sin of blasphemy. So if this gift is good, let's say you're here and you're thinking, Pastor, if this gift is good and it brings confirmation and you've had these awesome experiences with it and it's scriptural and we see all of this fruit from it, then why do some despise it? Can I discuss why some people despise prophecy? And can I do it in a blatant, blunt manner? We're afraid of our church services getting weird. Simply putting it, we're afraid that things are going to get weird. We're afraid that things are going to get out of order, that there's going to be confusion, that somebody's going to come up and that there's going to be an emotional word given and not a prophetic word given. We're afraid that things are going to get out of hand, that we can't control them. Why do we despise Gifts of prophecy, because there have been times in the church at large when the gifts given to the church are used but never explained. So I heard it kind of like this, and I shared this this past Wednesday, that baptism in water without explanation is nothing more than dunking. 
Somebody giving a prophetic word without explanation is nothing more than somebody shouting. And we have to take these moments to always teach, and that's the leadership's responsibility. And if we fail, then congregation, I ask that you pick up the mantle and teach to those around you. But the point is, is that it's our job to explain and teach that this is a biblical gift, that there's order to the gift, that there's not chaos and confusion, but this is a good gift that God uses to build up a foundation. And what does that do? That relieves the pressure of this. Many of you having to show up at church with first-time friends and family members who are first-time visitors, it relieves you from having to give them the rundown of what could happen at church today. You've been there. Now listen, before we go to our church, I need to go to that church. Before we go to our church, you got to know some things. There's going to be a lady who stands up and she's going to speak in another language. And you start giving this rundown and what's happening is you're trying to teach because you know that it's not going to happen in the house of God and that should not be the case. When these gifts are used, we should always take a moment to teach so that nobody is left confused and it relieves the pressure of the believers that are here from having to do damage control with unbelievers. The gift of prophecy, another reason why we despise it, putting it bluntly, the gift of prophecy has been misused or abused. And there are those who are hurt by it and hurt from it because maybe there is a prophetic word spoken in your life at a time and you cling to it and you believe that it would come to pass and it didn't. I know in my life when I was a teenager, I had unbiblical words spoken over me. I had somebody tell me that I was going to marry their daughter and that did not end up happening, thank the Lord. It's a story for another day. But often we despise the gift of prophecy because maybe there's some hurt or it has been misused or abused by man. Allow me to to just clarify this point. If a person misusing or abusing something that God gave is the criteria for throwing it out of the church, then we should throw the Bible out. There are plenty of people out there that have misused and abused Scripture that if that is our criteria for throwing it out of the church, then that, that means the word of God. But we would recognize that that is foolish, that it is his word. How would we know truth? What would guide us? What? That is just insane. I hope that we would have that mentality with the gifts of God, that we say just because somebody has abused it in the past or whatever it may be, that's not God. Can I hear an amen? That's not of God. That's of man. And anything from God, any gift from God is a good gift. And hurt is not the fruit of the gifts that he gives us. That was an addition to my notes. The Bible gives us guidance and wisdom in addressing every one of these areas of concern. So we just talked about why people despise Scripture, and it's because they go against Scripture. For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 says this, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Can I hear an amen? amen? As in all the churches of the saints. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40, later in this same chapter, But all things should be done decently and in order. 
That applies specifically in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul is discussing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and he says they should be used decently and in order. So yes, prophecy shouldn't be despised because it provides a firm foundation for the church, equips believers for service, and builds the church. But God gives us holy parameters to ensure that these gifts are not used and abused. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for that? And what's crazy to me is we often will acknowledge that we need this gift, that it's necessary for today. We acknowledge that God still speaks. If He's alive, it means that He can still speak. And how many of you know that God's still speaking? That God still has things to say, that God still has things that He wants to reveal to us. And it's crazy to me that we will acknowledge that, and then when He actually does speak in a service, we go, whoa. I wanted him to speak, but I also didn't want him to speak. Pick a lane, man. And it's one of those moments where you and I either acknowledge that he is very real, and if we acknowledge that he is a real and alive is, I mean, if he is real and alive, then you and I should also acknowledge that that which is alive also speaks, that he has a voice. And therefore, you and I should show up to church. We should show up gathering together with an expectation and not fear and anxiety. With an expectation that God's going to speak today supernaturally. And because it happens supernaturally, that which happens supernaturally only confirms that it's Him. Amen, church? When prophecy is not despised, it can provide stability, firmness, confirmation, and strength. Prophecy should not be despised. And if we are to test everything, the question then is, well, how do we test what is good and true? How do we test, pastor? If it is a true prophetic word, how should we test it? How do I know if that prophecy is true? Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 16, Jesus speaking, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Here it is. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? We recognize prophets by their fruit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which means putting up with people. Some of us need that a little more than others kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We recognize prophets by their fruit off of the platform. We do not base prophets off of what ministry organizations recognize them. We don't base it off of how many social media followers they have. We don't recognize it by how many books they've written. We recognize prophets by their fruit, the fruit of the Spirit that is alive and well in them. And honestly, church, I got to be honest, one of my stipulations when it comes to prophetic word is I don't receive it unless I know the person. And I'm just saying that's my rule of thumb. If you say, well, pastor, I've heard mainstream prophecies come true, then okay, that's fine. But do what the Bible says and test it. If you say, I don't know if this is true or not, what do I do? Put it on the shelf. 
If it's a true prophetic word, there's not going to be an expiration date on it, but only in time it's going to be validated and verified. Is this making sense this morning? And so again, it's just my, typically people will come to me, have you heard this prophetic word? Have you heard this prophetic word? And nine out of 10 times, my answer is no, because I tend to make sure that I know the person or I know that there can be credibility given that off of the platform, they haven't allowed the fact that they hear from Jesus to get to their head, that there's no pride, but that they humbly walk. And here's a tell-to-tell sign of a false prophet or a true prophet. It's whenever you say, I'm not going to receive this word right now, I'm going to test it. If the prophet gets offended by that, then walk away from them. But if it's a prophet that says, great job, that's what scripture does. Don't take my word for it. Wait for his word to confirm it. When it's that kind of heart postured, that's a true prophet because there's fruit flowing. If this is making sense, once again, would you give me an amen? How do we know if a prophecy is true? Number one, filter prophecy through Scripture. John 17, 17 says God's word is truth. His word is how we measure what is true, what is false, what is right, what is wrong. We filter all of that through God's word. Prophetic words always agree with Scripture. They always come under the authority of Scripture. Prophetic words and revelations do not hold Scripture accountable. Scripture holds them accountable. Amen, church? Typically, that's how you'll find. That's the creation of false religions. Is they're rooted? How were they created? Somebody had a personal revelation that went and held itself above God. And when you and I see that, we recognize that that is false prophecy. Prophecy and revelation are never above Scripture. They are always under its authority. Filter prophecy through Scripture. Why? Because God will never contradict Himself. We believe that a prophetic word is God speaking, and it's not going to contradict what His everlasting word has already spoken, because that would ultimately make God a liar. And he's not a liar. Amen, church? How do we know if prophecy is true? Simply put, test prophecy in time. If it comes to pass, you'll know that it's true. That's pretty simple, right? Wow, pastor, a lot of theology right there. I know. The Holy Spirit also plays a role. I told you last week, and I want to hold true to that promise, that every week we would be talking about how the Holy Spirit plays a role a pivotal role in every single one of these gifts. And the Holy Spirit especially plays a role in the gift of prophecy. We recognize that when someone speaks, it's not their own wisdom coming out. It's not their own word. But when they speak, it is inspired, empowered, and provided through the Holy Spirit. A prophetic voice is given by God and empowered through the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the prophet will never speak what they want to say. They will always speak what God wants to say. 2 Peter 1, verse 21 says, For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Worship team, would you come? What this means is when somebody is giving a prophetic word, if you ever hear them talk in the first person, have you ever heard that? Somebody speak with a prophetic word and it's given in the first person? Three of you? Okay. But when that happens, we recognize that that's God speaking through us. 
then it's not the person. That's actually the person signifying that these aren't my words. This is God speaking. And in that moment, they are not only under the power of the Holy Spirit, but they're restrained by the Holy Spirit. So what that means is if you ever get nervous and you say, I feel like I have a word, but how do I know I'm not going to go up there and start venting and start getting into like a counseling session talking about what happened to me when I was four and my dog bit me? Just me? Okay. What happens in that moment is the Holy Spirit restrains us and says, calm down and pulls us into God's will. And as this beautiful gift is building, equipping, and equipping the body of Christ, the church has a responsibility. Did you know that? The church has a responsibility to steward this gift well. And that means that the leadership of this church has responsibility and that the congregation has responsibility in this. I've already mentioned this, but I want to just reiterate it. The church's responsibility in terms of uh, stewarding this gift of prophecy well, the first is this, test and hold on to what is true. Verify that what is being said is scriptural, that it aligns with the Word of God in the Word of God's context. Make sure. I'm never offended, and I so appreciate whenever there's people who come up and they ask questions about what was in this sermon. Well, what about this, Pastor? What about? I love that because that means that you're doing what Scripture says. Test all things and hold on to what is biblical. Hold on to what aligns with God's will. Test all things. The church's responsibility is also this, and I could preach on this for hours, and I know that you want me to, but restrain yourself. As it's been mentioned today, we sent out a text yesterday that we're going to be playing some volleyball and ordering in some pizzas after this service. So just wanted to throw that out there before I forget. The church's responsibility, though, in this is to provide space for the gifts to operate decently and in order. Our responsibility, church, hear me, is to make sure that we never schedule the Holy Spirit right out of the church. But to always make sure there's those moments where Mike and the worship team, they're just playing instrumental. And you might be sitting here like, what is happening? We're doing something called waiting to see if God would inspire a word, to see if there would be an interpretation where somebody speaks in tongues and then it's interpreted in the same service. And I've seen this happen many times before, and it's a beautiful thing whenever it happens. But we're providing space. We provide space whenever we do Sunday night worship nights where there's no schedule. It's just let's show up and worship and share testimonies and how the Lord showed up in this most recent one was incredible. He took us in directions that we never planned. And it's beautiful because he took us in these places that we never planned. Why? Because we didn't plan to go in any places. (laughs) We just said, God... We're here tonight. Lead us how you want. And people were led by the promptings of the Holy Spirit to share their story and how they came to know Christ. And there was not a dry eye in the house, man. When you start hearing the testimonies that are sitting in front of you and behind you and next to you on a weekly basis, when you start hearing the hurt that people have walked through and the brokenness and how God healed the hurt and broke them and and made them whole again, you can't you can't hear that and remain unchanged. So I say all that to say that it's our responsibility to make sure that we always give room for God to do what he wants to do in 
his church and not schedule him out of our church. We must make sure that we have those moments of waiting. And prophecy isn't chaos unleashed. It's not this just like, hey, go for it, scream it out, no explanation, whatever happens, happens. We have a protocol here at C3 Church to make sure that the gifts of the Spirit operate decently and in order. And one of the protocols is, is on Sunday mornings, you'll see me sitting here with another board member. And we're here to see if there's a word that comes and somebody says, hey, they, they come to us and they have this word and I'll ask them, what is the basis of what God put on your heart? And they just give me the topic. If they give a topic that doesn't go in line with scripture, uh, the scripture that we're reading from today, I'll say, you know what? Hold on to that. I don't rebuke them. How dare you in the house of the Lord? We simply say, let's hold on to this and see when God would bring it up again. And sometimes, most of the time, he does. And other times somebody will come up and they'll say, I'm sorry, pastor, that word was just for me. Hold on to it. Apply it to your life. But somebody will come up and they'll have these promptings, these words, this message that they want to give. And please understand that we will also not let anybody speak unless there's fruit in their life. Just like scripture says. So again, it might be one of those moments where I say, wait on this. And if the message aligns, which it has every single time since I've been leading pastor here. I haven't had an encounter where I've had to send somebody away. It's always been on the point. And they come up and they give us the basis of the message and then we communicate to Mike and what's happening up here that, hey, we need to make space in the worship set. We need to make space in this service to let God move. God has something to say. God wants to put an exclamation point on this worship song. God wants to prepare the way for the message that is going to be coming. God wants to do something. Give him space in his church. It just makes sense. And so we give the mic to make sure that the word is heard. In some churches, and again, I've experienced this, and this doesn't make them wrong, but there's been moments where somebody begins to shout it out in the church sanctuary. And the problem with that is depending on where you are in the sanctuary, you might not hear it. And so we simply ask, come up and we'll give you the mic so that it can be understood, it can be taught, and it can be clear. And lastly, one of our responsibilities as a church is to give grace when somebody isn't 100% right. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul discusses the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts given to the church, and he talks about stewarding them well. Everything that I've taught today has been Paul. So if you're mad about it, take it up with him. But Paul talks about guidelines and parameters, and Paul even says, can you believe the audacity? He says, no, maybe two prophetic words, maybe three, no more. But Paul gives these parameters and what he's talking about is it's like it's as if he's anticipating the church messing up sometimes. Can you believe that? Like how rude, Paul? Why don't you have faith in me? No. But Paul assumes that sometimes we're going to mess it up. And what does he teach in 1 Corinthians chapter 14? Give grace. Church there's a huge difference between somebody slipping up and a false prophet. We don't treat the two the same. Amen? Amen? We don't teach the two the same. We reject false prophets. But if somebody messes up, 
We bring them under our authority as the church leadership team and just say, hey, let's work on this. Let's work on this. Would you stand with me this morning? For my fourth and final closing, the question that we may have is, how do I know if God is stirring this gift up in my life? And I want to go through just really quick signs. One, those who operate in the gift of prophecy, they're rooted in the word of God. Unquestionably, they're rooted in the word of God. Listen, if you're going to speak things that fall in alignment with the word of God, you better know the word of God. That's just how it happens. So if you say, I, I want to know more about this gift, where do I start? His word. How do I know if this prophetic word is, is legitimate? How do I know if that's me, if I have this gift? Those who operate in the gift of prophecy always have a deep reverence for the Lord. There were two prophetic words given this morning, one in in second service by Jack and one in first service by Gary. And what cracks me up is, is Gary, um, he kind of missed the boat. Like we were finishing worship and there was miscommunication. He was holding the mic up and I thought that he was asking me if I wanted it. I said, no thanks. What he was saying was, I've got a word. I missed the boat. And so what ends up happening is about at this point in the service for first service, I'm using him as an example of how we have this protocol. He goes, I actually have a word. And it went with the sermon even better than what it would have if it was given the first time. God's will is not revolved around us. He always makes a way. He makes everything work according to his will. So friends, if you say, what if I mess up this gift and destroy the church? God's bigger than that. So those who operate in this gift have a reverence for God. They want to make sure that it's done in his timing. They're not disruptive, abrasive, and hear the word of the Lord in the middle of a sermon. Therefore, God would be interrupting himself if that happened. They have a reverence. Lord, I want this to be done according to your will is their heart. Those who operate in the gift of prophecy... They're deep in prayer. They are rooted in prayer. They hear from God in their prayer time. God births convictions in their life and their prayer time. They feel, they sense that God is leading them in a certain direction or with a word in their prayer time. They are rooted in prayer, which also means this, that those who operate in the gift of prophecy are moved deeply by the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Like you have this like urge, like this burden. I have got to go to this person because I believe God has given me a word to speak to them about. I have got, there's just this deep, I feel the Holy Spirit stirring this up into me. And now that we've discussed this gift of prophecy in great lengths, it can be simplified like this. Prophecy is simply speaking what God sees. That's all it is. Prophecy is simply speaking what God sees. It's what he sees in the future, what he sees now, what he sees where he's leading us. That's all prophecy is. When I was on this missions trip in Ireland, I remember the pastor saying, turn to your neighbor and tell them what God sees. 
and we turned and we just began to talk about like the giftings and what God has given one another. And after that time came to a close, he said, congratulations, that's Prophecy 101. It's simply stating what God sees. We don't need to be weirded out by this gift. We don't need to despise it. All we need to do is seek it, run after it, and embrace it in a biblical manner. And the fruit of this gift will build the church. How many of you know that our world needs prophetic voices right now? The church needs prophetic voices. And I believe here today that there are those that God is stirring something up in you, that you are that gift. So would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads without anybody looking around? Here's what I want to ask. And we're not going to call you out or embarrass you, but without anybody looking around, I want to ask you, is there anybody here today that you feel like God is stirring that gift up in you? Would you just raise your hand? If you feel like God, okay, there's hands going up. Go ahead and lift them up high. We just want to pray with you. We're not going to call you out or embarrass you, but if you would just keep those hands up, those who feel promptings of the Holy Spirit that God is leading you, maybe you're not ready yet, but God is stirring something up where there's something sparking in you today. As you hear the word, you say, "There's, I want to be used like that. I feel like God wants me to be used like that. So dear Heavenly Father, I just pray over every hand that is raised right now, a special prophetic anointing to just fall upon them in the name of Jesus. I pray that in the days to come, that as your word is just spoken to their hearts first so that they can speak it audibly, Lord, I pray that you would give them the boldness and the courage to take that step from the back of the sanctuary to the front of the sanctuary. Lord, I pray that if it's not in the context of a congregation, maybe you're stirring them up to speak prophetically just one-on-one with people. That can be even more nerve-wracking than a congregation. So, Lord, I pray that you would give them peace and joy and confirmation in those moments that the words that they are speaking are most certainly of you. I pray against any nervousness that might overtake them. And Lord, again, I pray an anointing that would shake nations would be upon them because for such a time as this, we need your voice, Lord. We need your words being spoken. We need this gift. So we recognize that there are those here today that you're calling for it. Now may you empower them and comfort them, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give God some praise for what he's going to do? I would say between the two services, we had around 20 or so that raised a hand that this is a gift that God is calling them to. My goodness, can you imagine if Crossroads Community Church, if there are 20 individuals who are operating biblically in this gift, imagine the fruit of that ministry. Friends, I want to challenge you. Eagerly seek the gifts that God has. May we be a church that always lets, lets him have room in his service. Amen? Amen. Let me pray over you before you go. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for everybody gathered here today. May you lead them in this word, guide them in this word. May we eagerly expect and anticipate to be used in all of the gifts that you have because we recognize, as you said, they're gifts for your church and we are the church. So Lord, I pray that you would, again, have free reign in our lives and through our lives and just continue to speak to us. And we look forward for these gifts being used in your church. Now go with us, lead us and guide us. May we just remain safe until we meet again, and especially during the volleyball game. In Jesus' name, we ask that you would just bless and lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody said amen. Would you give him praise one more time for what he's going to do? Hallelujah. God bless you as you go with the Lord. 
He's going with you. We'll see you Wednesday. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.